Welcome to Rich Conversations. On today's episode, we'll chat with Joe Anhalt. He was on episode 39 when we talked about the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Joe was in town from New York and he stopped by to check out the new apartment. He's been a close friend of mine since college and we always have thoughtful conversations. In this particular one, we discussed New York, culture, and life. You can follow him at Joe Anhalt on Instagram and Joe from Normal on Twitter. Let's begin. All right. So I'm here with Joe Anhalt, and he was on episode 39, which uh, we talked about the last dance. With Michael Jordan, the documentary that came out this summer, and but I feel like this episode we're, we're now going to be talking more about about you and your interests, and I'm really excited to get inside your head and okay. uh, ask you some of these questions. <laughs> excited to be back, uh, big fan of the pod, and uh, excited to to do a deep dive in all things me, I suppose. Yes, uh, pleasure to be here. So now you live in New York now. Mm-hmm. So why did you move to New York? Talk about your background first. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, originally from the Midwest, grew up in a <clears throat> relatively small college town called Normal, Illinois. Shout out, Illinois State Redbirds. Go Redbirds. Uh, and got to Chicago as quickly as I could. Um, went to undergrad, DePaul University, which is, which is where we met originally. First day of school. First day of school. That's right. <laughs> uh, and been friends ever since. Yeah. Um, which is cheers. Cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, cheers. We're, uh, we're in my apartment drinking mezcal right now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and Joe has some herbal tea. I do. Gonna, once once it's done steeping. Are, yeah. we, are we done with the steep yet? See, I, I like everything I drink to be really strong, so okay. I let it marinate. Okay. If that's the appropriate term. Yeah, sure. As long as possible. So maybe another like 30, 35 minutes. <laughs> maybe when we're done with this podcast. <laughs> okay. Hopefully sooner, sooner than that. Um... Uh, yeah, so undergrad at DePaul University in Chicago, so that's four years in Chicago, and then after a brief stint living abroad in China for a year, um, came back to Chicago and lived here for four or five years, and f- for me, I've just always been drawn to big cities. I don't I don't think there's a specific reason. I think there's a lot of reasons. I just really enjoy meeting new people. I have a lot of different interests, and it's easy to just flex all those interests in a big city because there's a lot going on, right? And after living in Chicago for, you know, let's say almost 10 years, New York uh, started becoming a bigger destination and just, I just kept thinking more about it. Through through the end of my time in Chicago, it it became like, okay, like I love New York. I would would travel there as, as often as I could. I would make every excuse either to visit friends or through work trips and... I just it, it just kept gnawing at me. I'm like, I gotta get here. I gotta move here. Okay. It it really was n- not to be the cliche, you know, chasing my New York dreams, but that really was it for me. New York was the mecca for so many things for for art, for uh, for entertainment, for Broadway, business wise. It, it really is the mecca for a lot of different things that, uh, for yeah, just for a lot of different things. And I just wanted a piece of that. And I also knew that I wanted a piece of it before I got 
too old and had too many responsibilities, right? Mm -hmm. New York is a great place if you're young, you're healthy, you uh, don't really have many responsibilities, family, uh, obviously the biggest thing. A lot or of, if you're rich. It's a great <laughs> yeah. city if you're rich. That too, that too. <laughs> um, and yeah, this, this just kept gnawing at me. And I remember, I don't know what year it was, but I was I was working here in Chicago and I wasn't super thrilled with where my job was going and also had kind of the point in my relationship where it was, you know, either shit or get off the pot. And I kind of had this like, not quarter life crisis, but I, but I certainly did a lot within a short amount of time. And so I, I decided to leave my job and that was kind of the tipping point for, okay, like if I don't have anything else holding me here to Chicago, now's the time to, to move to New York. And so I kind of made that decision very quickly after deciding to leave my job here in Chicago. And looking back, I'm so glad I did it when I did. Yeah. And because you've been there now for like a year and a half, two years? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. Two and a half okay. years. Yeah. So I moved there in December of 20, 2017, right before, right before 2018. It's, it's been everything I want and, and more. Um, mm -hmm. I... I moved there having a few friends from from college and, and from work, but I really didn't know too much about the city. And when I first moved there, I was only working part-time. I didn't have a full-time job yet. I, I really did, you know, kind of take a leap of faith and just kind of wanted to plant myself in the city of everything when, when I got there. And it, it was really fun moving there without having a, a big commitment work-wise okay. because it allowed me to explore the city, meet new people, connect with old friends or uh, old colleagues that I haven't spoken to in a while, and just kind of use the city as my playground for the first three or four months. And got to be a tourist uh, as well for those first three or four months. Mm -hmm. and, and it was super fun going to parks, museums, just exploring, getting lost. And uh, yeah, I, I can say after What's, it's crazy. It's been two and a half years. Obviously, it feels like a weekend, but it's it's been everything and more that, that I've wanted yeah. it to be. The the energy, which I haven't mentioned, but probably should have let, let off with, is it, it, it's exactly that. It's this energy that's unmatched, and you, you feel it as soon as you land or as soon as you get into the city. Even during COVID, um, you, you still feel that energy that just permeates around every street corner, around every neighborhood you go to. And it's infectious, right? And I think that's another reason why I wanted to move there is I'm a big believer of just surrounding yourself with people that inspire you and uh, push you and just make you a better person. And mm -hmm. so I, I felt in Chicago, I did that really well. And I felt, how can I take it to the next level? Right? Yeah. How, can I, uh, how can I level up? How can I, um, yeah, just heighten the scenario? And New York was the natural next step for me. Mm -hmm. I just, I just really wanted to, you know, implant myself in the center of it all, and, yeah. and I did that, and it's, it's been great. So, what are you, what are you doing there now? Describe to the listeners. Uh, so, outside of my, my, I, actually, I have a job now. I have. <laughs> so, my full time job, I work uh, for a startup sneaker brand called Koyo, K O I O, Koyo Daco. Uh, I'm the director of marketing and e-commerce, so I get to sink my teeth into a lot of different creative elements. We are, uh, you know, a young, hip millennial brand. We do a lot of uh, photo shoots and video shoots, which I get to have a lot, uh, a huge part in, which is really exciting for me, um, and just exist in 
I wouldn't say we're a traditional fashion brand like uh, a Louis Vuitton or a Gucci, but we still operate in kind of similar circles, which is really fun because I can, you know, I, I, our office is in Soho, New York, and I live in Chinatown, so I walk through Nolita and Soho to Chinatown. And, you know, sometimes I still pinch myself on the way to work thinking that this is my life, right? This is kind of what I aspired to do. This is why I moved to New York. Uh, you know, working at a fashion brand in downtown Manhattan is just still a very cool feeling. Um, and again, that's that was by design. Uh, and actually thinking back to when I was job hunting in New York, I remember a big important factor for me was where the office was located. I knew I didn't want to be in midtown Manhattan because I just didn't want to be why around is that, that crowd. What's the difference between midtown and like Soho? So, so midtown is more so, I would say for Chicago vibes, like more like loop, right? So very like buttoned up. Think like the Chad, uh, you know, the Patagonia vest, the Chukka boot, the khaki pants, the uh, cookie cutter, you know. There's a lot of finance and big ad agencies, uh, just not as much. Uh, just It's just, like big corporate, Yeah, right? big corporate. Yeah. <clears throat> and so I just... I didn't want to be in one of those like kind of cookie cutter, big business uh, yeah. brands. I've always gravitated towards these kind of smaller niche things. Like even in Chicago, working at uh, Interior Define, a small furniture brand, our first office was, was in Wicker Park and then Lincoln Park. So never really like downtown Loop yeah. or other like yeah big corporate centers. So it was by design to, to try to find uh, a company or a brand that again fit what I was looking for, and I, again, just very fortunate to kind of wind up, wind up there, um, and yeah, still just so cool to walk around Soho, and that's <clears throat> it's it's just cool to see the the unique people walking around and like what they're wearing and, and how they interact with the world. Me having just a general interest in in fashion and art and culture, you you could make an argument that Soho and uh, the West Village, you know, neighborhoods that are very close to one another. That's where a lot of those people exist, um, and and that's where a lot of those, I guess, like A plus players you could call exist in the world, right? It's it's downtown Manhattan, it's it's London, it's Paris, um, you know, potentially Tokyo, and again, just like being able to sit there and just like people watch is so fun, and I get to yeah. do that on a daily basis, just strolling around my office, and that's part of why I love New York, and even on the weekends, just like walking around and just taking in the city, right? Just yeah. being a sponge, and and just like walking around and observing, um, going to cafes, going to bookstores, going to museums, just trying to absorb everything. Exactly, ab- absorb everything. And <clears throat> one of the great things about New York is its density and how close everything is to yeah. you. And it's 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 a, it's a little ridiculous. Not great for a pandemic, but not great for a <laughs> pandemic, which which I'm sure we'll talk about a, a little bit later. But the the density I think is one of the best things about New York City, especially in my neighborhood. So. I live in Chinatown, which is very close to the Lower East Side. And again, I work in Soho. So my world is literally very small. It's, it's a very small bubble, which which I acknowledge. But I also love that. I love the, the diversity and how I can walk to anything and everything I want within 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, world-class art museums, grocery stores, bodegas, basketball courts, just parks, the Brooklyn Bridge, the Manhattan Bridge. Um, it's all right there and it's, it's not hard to access. And I think that's one of the great things about 
cities and urban environments is just the accessibility of everything and yeah. the accessibility of a lot of different things. Um, Chicago is, is a great city and I have so much love and passion for it, but at times it is difficult to navigate. Um, mm -hmm. It is very segregated, right? The, the diversity, you really have to go outside of your way to, um, to see that and to feel that. Whereas New York, it, it, it shows up right in your face. Uh, if, if you take the train, if you take the MTA, it's unapologetically in your face. Um, and someone, me personally, who is a bit more introverted, I, I have to physically put myself in moments and experiences. Otherwise, I'll just kind of, you know, be too much to myself. Yeah. So again, that that's all by design. And, and New York, again, just has all these things right at your doorstep, quite literally. And it, it manifests itself so beautifully. Um, and even during a, a pandemic, I, I can say without a doubt that that energy, that accessibility, that diversity, that culture, everything that New York is, it still exists, you know? Yeah. Not at the scale as it once used to be, but if you compare it to any other city in the States, it, it's still it's still there. That energy is still yeah. there. So I've I've visited Joe three times now in New York <laughs> over the past year, year and a half, I mm -hmm. would say. And so the first time I went to go visit you, this was February 2019. Okay. And and so we get there. It's like February fourth. Was I in Was I in Manhattan at that point, or was I in Brooklyn? You were in Manhattan. Manhattan. Okay. Okay. So you're living in Chinatown, and mm -hmm. so I get off the plane and I come to Soho, and I usually travel on weekdays because I bartend on the weekends. So everybody's all working, and Joe's at work. So I show up, and it's like 60, 70 degrees. Nice. And and so we're on Broom Street, and I'm I'm walking. And so I just have to kill time. So I, I go to Washington Square Park. Beautiful. And there's like this arch and there's all these different types of people. And it's this beautiful day and people are playing the piano. There's a piano there yeah. and people are like just doing all sorts of different things. Yeah. And I remember thinking to myself, just sitting there watching people is like, wow, this is like the human experience mm -hmm. all right here and that's mm -hmm. such a cool thing i have a yankee hat up here um yankee hat and it has moma on the side i got yep. it at moma uh that's why this hat is so special what i i do wear it around chicago the reason why i wear it in chicago mm -hmm. is because this happened to me actually the other day so i'll wear it at work while i'm bartending mm -hmm. and I'll get customers start like trash talking me like yeah like why are you wearing that Yankee hat man this is Chicago and yep. I'm like that's what I want I want to agitate Chicagoans so that it brings out that spirit of Chicago that competitiveness interesting of like yo New York this is Chicago man <laughs> screw New York like yeah. you know you don't wear that here and I, I really love that and I intentionally wear it to try to bring that out yeah but it's also too um you talk about it just being this like mecca of so many different things and i went to paris back in january and you see people just wearing a yankee hat mm -hmm. like they're not wearing any other mm -hmm. american things and that's like the cool thing is like mm -hmm. this is america yep. like so the hat represents while well, i wear it here it represents like america in a way and that's why i have it back here you know kind of on this this bookshelf is because it does represent america to the yeah. world you know yeah. new york is america it's it's still one of the most valuable and most recognizable brands in the world, I would say. 
mm-hmm. after America and American culture, I would say New York is maybe right there next to America. Because yeah. I feel like whenever, especially foreigners think of America, yeah, they think of New York, LA, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember I would I, I bought a Yankee cap maybe four or five years ago when I went to a, a Yankees game before I lived there. And I would wear it all the time around Chicago just to like, again, remind myself that hey, like you should go to New York at some point. And I would get okay. so much shit all the time. But I, I wore it as like a fashion statement, right? Yeah. Um, even though I'm a huge White Sox it fan. It is a fashion statement. It is. I mean, Jay-Z and so much culture, similar to kind of what Chance tried to do with the Sox cap, I think, in his social experiment, which well, he's obviously... Not, he's not even the first one to do the Sox hat. That, no, was like that was like Dr. Dre. NWA. NWA, yep. yeah. Yep. Um, which is, is, still, is still very much like a fashion statement, the Sox cap. Um, but not as much as the Yankee cap. Right. Um, yeah. And I would get so much shit for it wearing it in, in Chicago. And especially when I went home to visit my parents, because my parents are huge Sox oh, fans. Yeah. They're like, Joe, what are you doing? And I'm like, it's a fashion statement. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, sure, I'm sure parents love hearing that. It's a fashion statement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, but even... One one other little anecdote when when I was thinking about moving to New York, I, I would obviously visit there like a couple of times a year to v- visit friends and stuff. But I would always keep an MTA card in my wallet, even when I lived in Chicago. Interesting. Just as like a little reminder, like a little subtle, yeah, yeah, a little kind of like subtle hint of just just a reminder, similar to the Yankee cap, but yeah. but a bit more subtle. Or I use it as a bookmark when I was reading. Um, I yeah, I, I definitely had New York in the back of my mind, and it it just kept clawing at me and gnawing mm-hmm. at me and, and I just knew I had to get there at some point. So what's it been like with COVID? Mm. What's what's the city like and what, what's been your experience with that? So <clears throat> COVID hit mid-March and we started working, working from home and then I actually came back to Chicago to stay with my girlfriend. We're doing long distance and I took this as an opportunity to not be quarantined by myself in downtown New York, uh, which... I, I acted pretty quickly, and I'm glad I did because everyone that stayed there during March, April, beginning of May said it was it was pretty um, just dead. You know, no yeah. one walking around. Everything was closed. No one knew what was happening, and just seemed like a pretty terrible experience. This pandemic is one of the worst things that could happen to New York City and cities in general. Right? You have to stay in your home. And most homes and apartments in New York are extremely small. Right. No one moves to New York to get a nice apartment <laughs> yeah. and relax, yeah. right? You go to New York, you get a tiny apartment, usually shitty, so you can spend all of your time and effort outside of your apartment doing other things. So not great for a global pandemic. So I got out um, as quickly as I could, uh, spent a lot of good quality time here in Chicago with her. And then when I went back, it was, uh, it was mid-July. Uh, and it was still pretty dead. But what's crazy is when I first flew back after being gone for, at first what I thought was going to be a few weeks and turned into four months, when I landed, I remember taking Uber back from LaGuardia into the city, and I, I just still felt that rush. Yeah. I still felt okay. that energy. And when I got to my place and just threw my shit down and walked around, the the vibes and the energy was so optimistic and so fun. The restaurants turned themselves into outdoor establishments. The streets were, you know, pretty packed. Um, everyone was masking, everyone was re- respecting each other's space, but that energy still existed. And, and coming from Chicago, it was still 
10x more lively, 10x more energy, 10x more people. Um, again, Chicago is it's just much more spread out, right? So you just don't have that that energy. You can't feel it, right? You really have to seek it out. You have to go to places and bars and restaurants and um, you know entertainment venues. Obviously, everything is shut down. So it was still very, very lively. And I feel like week over week, it's gotten more and more lively throughout the summer. I'm curious to see what happens now that fall is rolling in. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and most things are still closed. Actually, I think yesterday or end of September was, was when we first got indoor dining to 25%. Okay. Um, and I'm curious to see how that goes because Another great thing about New York is is the restaurant scene. I mean, it's it's not un, unlikely that people just never eat at home, right? They never cook yeah. because the kitchens are just way too small, and you have just amazing food everywhere you go. Even the a corner store bodega could have like you know a gem of a sandwich, yeah. or a falafel cart could be you know great for for a cheap uh, cheap price, or like uh, a pizza slice, right? It, whether it's like Scar's pizza near me or like Joe's pizza, like that's still, like, there's this, great. this quick story. I, so I was walking back to your apartment one time yeah. and I stopped at this, like kind of like hole in the wall pizza place. Yeah. I got a slice. I'm the only one there. And I'm, I'm thinking like, Oh, like, Oh, I'm the only one here. Like that's, that's kind of weird. Uh-huh. I wonder if this place is good or bad or so then I'm sitting there and then within like 10 minutes, yeah. like, 10 different people come in and out and yeah. got pizza. And it was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Which one was it? Uh, was it Scars? Williamsburg? No, no, no. It was, um, I couldn't tell you. I have it on my, my Google Maps somewhere. But. Got it. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. But regardless, New York is still like very much alive. Um, and also just to preface this, this kind of monologue, most of my life is downtown, right? So I actually really haven't ventured uptown very much, embarrassed to say, but again, you know, to my previous point, like my life, my bubble is so tiny, right? It lives below 14th Street in between uh, West Village and Chinatown Lower East Side. It's a very small part of the world. I I recognize that, but again, that's where everything lives and exists. Um, And at least in in that small part of town, and obviously I have friends who live uptown, who live in Brooklyn. Um, I spend a lot of time in Brooklyn on the weekends it's it's still just like one of the best places in the world yeah. even during a global pandemic like not to say i don't love chicago and the time i'm spending here with kylie and being able to see you and old friends but i just i just love being in new york and and living in new york it it brings me such joy and it's it's so fun and it's it's fun to be able to say that and to be able to rep new york now yeah. after after years of wanting to be that person i i am that person and when i read you know, op-eds in, in different publications about how New York is dead and New York is dying. I just really don't believe that in the long term. I feel that that's so nearsighted and short-sighted and, and you're not thinking long term, you know. New York wasn't built in a day, you know. New York wasn't built in a year or a decade. It was built built over many decades and it's not going to be taken... It's not built by one industry. Either, exactly. Like, yeah. And it's not going to be taken down by one pandemic that's going to last, let's say, 12 at most 24 months, right? Um, and I know there's there's this huge flight to second and third tier cities, but th- th- those cities are not going to replace New York City or L.A. is not going to die or London is not going to die. Paris, all these super cities, as, as you know, better than than most people. It's, it's going to take a lot more than than what's happening to to kill New York City. So something I wanted to have Joe on to talk about is culture. 
Now, can you sum up like what, when we talk about culture, what is culture and what is the value of culture? If we can put a value on it. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's really hard to understate the value of culture in our society and in our species specifically. To me, to me, it really is, you, you can break it down as small as like family culture, mm-hmm. um, your, your community and your city, obviously state, country, and then us as like a planet uh, and species. Um, and, and I always think of it as I, I, I gravitate a lot towards like the arts, right? Like entertainment, like movies, music, um, museums, art, uh, in, in, a um, you know, like paintings and, uh, museum stuff you'd see at MoMA or the Met, stuff like that. Uh, and, and also just how we interact with each other, how we communicate a lot of what our culture is these days, I think is infused through social media and technology mm-hmm. Um, and it really is is everything that that helps define and inform us as social beings, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's it's very that that you know it it can be as small as as our relationship. It can be as large as as our entire planet and, and, and technology. But um, to me, it it I, I I again I gravitate towards like the arts and the entertainment of of culture um, and how we interact. Um, I'm sure there's. A million different explanations and a million yeah. different descriptions and, and definitions, but uh, I think it, it it can all culminate to to variety of, of that response, right? Uh, I mean, how do you define it? How do you? Well, that's why I'm asking it? you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, it, it can be also as specific as I mean, I work in fashion, so I, I think yeah. uh, culture can be communicated through fashion quite a bit, right? Yeah. Uh, even in like cities, like that's actually one of the things that I notice very quickly when I get off the plane into New York or into Chicago, especially again, working and living in downtown is just how different the fashion is and and how much more fashion forward New York is. Also, that is, you know, one of the cultural points and cultural, you know, meccas we keep using of fashion is New York City, right? Uh, And and that's very noticeable, right? It's it's very... um, black and white right you yeah. see what people are wearing right? right you see how people are um dressing themselves and and that's something that's very obvious and and something that i like as well again one of the things that took me to new york was was the culture and specifically fashion and art entertainment museums the people um all of that the the culture is is what defines cities it's what defines us and it's limitless and it's to put a value on it again i think it's 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 not impossible. It's it's really hard to do. It it really is what what makes us what makes us human, right? And I'm sure there's different species that have cultures and different dialects and and things of that nature. But to the extent that we have it as humans, is is unmatched, right? You can't sit there and, and tell me that there's more culture in a pod of orcas than there is in like a pod of humans, right? There's no way, right? And then because culture is so differently, there could be a culture that you kind of vibe with more. Mm-hmm. And you gravitate towards that, you know? Exactly. Whether it be like a lot a lot of times culture, the word culture is thrown around in terms of like organizations and mm-hmm. businesses, mm-hmm. Uh, companies, mm-hmm. sports teams, states, cities, like and having those cultures there attracts or detracts yep. people, depending on like what 
what the, what they hold value yeah in. yeah it's value like the values culture is basically like the representation of values mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. right yeah i i 100 agree and i think that's that's another reason why i wanted to move to new york is because i saw what they valued and i saw what the culture was like there and i wanted to be surrounded by that right mm-hmm. so one of the things that's great about culture that's different from your family is you can pick and choose where you want to be influenced you can mm-hmm. pick and choose what you want to be influenced by right and so one of the easiest ways to do that is you just put yourself right in the center of that and i'm you know, very fortunate and privileged to be able to do that. A lot of people can't pick and choose where they want to live. They can't pick and choose their family. No one can pick and choose their family. Um, some people can't pick and choose what cultures influence them, right? They're inhibited by just having to, to stay where they are because of financial or social, whatever reasons. But again, I'm fortunate enough to be able to uh, pick and choose where I want to be and what I want to influence me. Yeah. Um, and again, New York City, because of its diversity, because of its density, because of everyone else deciding way before me deciding, I want to go there and, and make a life and I want to go yeah. there and be surrounded and, and be influenced by the culture that now is New York City. It, it just, again, seemed like the natural next step for me. Yeah. Uh, and there, there's so many different cultures in New York. Again, you can find whatever you want there. Yeah. Right? You don't you don't really have to try very hard either. Again, like it, it slaps you in the face. Um, whereas other cities, you have to put a lot more effort into finding you know what what culture or what subgroup or what counterculture even for that matter. You you, you really have to make a lot of effort. But again, in New York, I mean, the odds are just in your favor. There's yeah. so many people. There's so many different things. There's something for everybody there, right? Yeah. If you live in a small town of 150,000 people where I grew up, it's just much fewer and farther between, right? And and there's not as much diversity, so there's just naturally the odds are not in your favor, right? Yeah. So, as someone who loves just new, interesting, different things and trying to experience a lot of different things and and trying to get a snippet of a lot of different things, you know, I I think of myself professionally and also personally as a generalist. And I love this idea of becoming an expert generalist, um, of trying to, yeah, just trying to open myself up to as many different things as possible. Uh, And I feel like people who have a more, who have a broader view on life and view on humanity, um, I just feel like that makes you a better person, you know, having or being able to digest a lot of different things, a lot of different people, I feel like makes you more empathetic and makes you more understanding and just broadens your view of the world. Uh, and I think that's good for society and that's good for humanity. So I feel like yeah. one of the best ways to do that is to go to a place where there's a lot of things happening, you know, in, in the most simplest form. And again, I feel like that's where, that's where New York is. Obviously, New York has its shortcomings like... It's very much a bubble of its own. Um, we're in a political time. It's very blue, obviously. <clears throat> um, and I acknowledge that. But again, um, that's what I like. I like uh, the variety, the culture, everything about it. I like what I like. <laughs> so I saw I like you I like. looking at the bookshelf here. Have you mm-hmm. read Range yet? It's about generalists. <clears throat> I got, haven't. We've got a... a Book right here. I don't. I don't like book covers or book jackets. So no, uh, no. This is what it looks like naked without the cover, by David Epstein. 
and he uh yeah he just he talks about the the good things about being a generalist mm -hmm. you know rather than an expert which I, I also consider myself a generalist. Yeah, so. I would say for sure, even more than me. You're much more of a generalist than I'm, I am. I'm a, in, the term, I'm a, in the spectrum a of generalists, <laughs> uh, but no, I haven't read that, but you've spoken about it to me a few times and I'm sure I'll get to it at some point. Uh, I'm sure it just reinforces a lot of what I already believe. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm here for, for generalist for sure. For a, a quick, quick anecdote mm -hmm. for listeners, um, I just showed a book with no book jacket. That was something I got from Joe. So Joe, uh, a lot of, you know, this Joe and I lived together for four years, so he's rubbed off on me. And so we have a number of books that don't have book jackets because mm -hmm. I kind of classify my books by color, mm -hmm. color coordination. So we have a John Lennon, The Life. Uh, that one doesn't have a book cover. Dinosaur artist. But some of them, one. some of them do have book covers. So is that just because you wanted to? Because I, I like it. I like the color. More. Yeah, the color okay. or the minimal, if yep. it's more minimal. Yep. Um, like this, uh, the rise and fall of dinosaurs, it has more of like a gray color to it, and it's yeah. harder to color coordinate that. Ooh, actually, it looks pretty good. That looks nice. Yeah. I have uh, Pope Francis here without a cover. Um, the Chuck Klosterman one, I love just the white. Yeah, the that white looks and good. Black looks that looks good. good. Humankind, I can't find my book jacket with that. That's one oh, I you bought read that recently. Book. Yeah. Interesting. What? So obviously, Rich, you're a big bookworm, and everyone who's I listening now, to yeah. this podcast knows that. And you you read a lot of books from the library, which actually something rubbed off on me is I now have a library card in New York, and yeah. I rent books pretty frequently. Um, but what what puts you over the edge to buying a book as opposed to just renting it? So buying a book, so what I've actually, this is a new phenomenon during COVID because the library shut down. Right, right. And I was like, well, <laughs> what am I I'm not going to let that stop me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I started buying books. Okay. And what I've realized is that I can highlight things in books, mm -hmm. which I can't do in the library Yep. for the library. So that's been a, like a big game changer. Game changer. And then also now... As crazy as this is to believe, it's almost now more convenient for me to just buy a book on Amazon, get it shipped to me yep. within two days, than like figuring out the logistics of going to the library, checking it out. I can't highlight it. So the money saves me time and energy. So you're just part of the problem, part so of the Jeff Bezos problem. My, the <laughs> Oh boy, this is for a different <laughs> podcast. Okay, but anyways, these uh, the I just got this book today. Okay, actually yesterday. So it's called the Holographic Universe, and I was watching the Packer game on Sunday night, and uh, I saw your Instagram post about this. I'm actually intrigued. Sorry, continue. Yeah, so I I watched. Um, I don't really watch sports talk shows anymore, but during COVID, I've been kind of like watching Pat McAfee show clips. And Aaron Rodgers was on that okay. program, and he yep. had like a half-hour interview. And towards the end of the interview with Aaron Rodgers, this one it was last week. There's like a th there's a three-minute clip out there. You can find it on YouTube, and he's asked why why it looks like he's having so much fun, and his response feels very similar to the way. I have felt over the last two and a half years. Mm -hmm. 
And so I think there's there's some similarities there. He talks about having so much joy and changing his habits and thinking differently about the world. And he's playing with so much joy and love and he's playing at such a high level now. Mm -hmm. It's not a coincidence um, because I see that in my own life. And so during the broadcast, Tariko, Mike Tariko talked about talking with Aaron Rodgers and he's been reading a lot of books. And uh, Tariko mentions, yeah, and he read... uh, the holographic universe, uh, whatever that may be. <laughs> so then instantly, I was watching. I was watching the game with my friend Jason, yeah. and uh, and I just looked it up right away. Of course, and, and bought I, it. like bought it. Yeah. And those. That's how I kind of find books. Yeah. Is little. I'm on this kind of like journey, and my mind is always open. Where there's, <clears throat> if something is it's, mentioned and I'm curious about it, yep, I'll jump on it. I mean, know? that's. I love that because it's. A rabbit hole but in real life right we think yeah. of rabbit holes we think of like the wikipedia rabbit hole or the youtube rabbit hole but this is just a great real life example of a rabbit hole right uh, which i think is beautiful and interesting okay so it's been part covid but also part you would love to highlight things and kind of post-it note them which obviously you can't do yeah. in a library rental so this is also that makes sense long term i went to this exhibit at the art institute of chicago mm-hmm. and I really wish I could remember the guy's name. He was an AIDS activist in the okay. 80s and he died. But during this um, exhibit, it just has this entire wall. This is a huge wall, maybe like 50 feet long okay. and 20 feet high. And it's just his library. That's huge. Okay. And like I his thought, personal yeah. like, books. Okay. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah. And I start, I started thinking like, well, I can't create that if I just keep borrowing from the library. Yeah. I got to create my own library. That's fair. But when you're moving, as I did a month ago, yep. it's it's kind of a... Books are heavy. It's kind of an issue, yeah. Books are heavy. I, I came into that experience when I moved to New York yeah. in that a lot of... I, I moved to New York with two suitcases full of clothes, and then I put everything else in storage in New York. Yeah. And storage was mostly books and records uh, and a few other uh, miscellaneous items. And I lived without them for a year. Uh, and I'm like, okay, I probably don't need these books. And for me, it was more of a space space issue. And I, I did have these aspirations to have this like grand, big library at some point in, in my life. But I just I obviously had to cut the cord just because of space and practicality of it. See, but you're, well, one, you're in New York. Yeah. But two, you're definitely more of a minimalist than I am. Yeah. Like you can look yeah. around my space in my apartment and it seems like I'm... I'm. You're minimalist. But not to the degree, like... Because we lived together, and Joe would just, like, get rid of things where I'm like, you're going to get rid of that? That's still good. That's like, true. That's how I got my, like, Herschel backpack. <laughs> that's how I got my nice uh, fall jacket, spring jacket. Uh, <laughs> true, true. Um, fair. I, I really uh, went in hard on the Marie Kondo book when I read it so many years ago. What book is that? That's the life-changing magic of tidying up it was a huge fad uh maybe whenever i read it it was a big fad and it was essentially trying to promote this minimalist lifestyle right if if these objects if if these things don't bring you joy then it probably shouldn't take up space in in your environment so i i gravitated towards that uh and and still do partially because of that partially because yes i live in new york where space is premium um and it it helps when when buying things my book collection is now transformed into more of like art books 
which which I love because I love yeah. coffee table books and I just love the experience of opening a just a big book and looking at big pictures or text or just more yeah, just more art books, right? So speaking of art books, I know a great art book <laughs> called Primary Ponderings. You can get on Amazon. That's fair. That's fair. Um, cover looks like this. Which this is a proof copy, but you have a proof copy. <laughs> at least get the real thing. Well, that's my <clears throat> thing is uh, no one else can get a proof copy. Ah, I have okay a proof copy. That's fair. Um, which is part of my which is part of my my collection. Um, but more recently, as you wrote up rubbed off on me and I've been getting more library books. One of the things that I do miss about owning my books is highlighting, marking yeah. them up, writing in the margins. So it, you know, it's kind of a, a catch 22 and kind of have a balance the pros and the cons, but I feel like a lot of books that I'm reading from the library, nonfiction books, um, probably not worthwhile to keep in my collection. If I do feel particularly moved by that, one that, yeah, that's a big, yeah. yeah. If, if I do feel particularly moved by one, I'll read it first and I'll buy it and read it again or just have it on my library to give to somebody or to loan it out. Um, a good example of that recently, a book you have here, Humankind, which I read that has had a lot of influence on me most recently. I'm thinking about, okay, maybe I'll buy that and add it to the collection. But it's it's a nice way to kind of test drive a test book. Test drive, that's a great, yeah. great way to um, frame it. Test drive before bringing it to, to your collection. So that's kind of where I'm yeah. at in terms of my book. Um, acquiring new books. Yeah. Another reason why I like buying books is because I can highlight them, mm -hmm. but I've noticed more and more friends will ask to borrow a book or they'll get a, yeah. a book recommendation. Yeah. And as I'm reading a book, I'm highlighting things mm -hmm. and I know that someone's <clears throat> going to ask me why for a book. Oh, okay. So in a way, while I'm reading it, I'm communicating mm -hmm. to the person I'm going to give it to, even yeah. though I don't know who's going to get it or whatever, but I'm making... That's pretty cool too. Yeah. You ever buy a used book and you see somebody else's exactly. highlights or comments in the yeah. margins? It's it's kind of like little footnotes through history, which I think is, is pretty cool. Yeah. What's something in culture right now that you think that I should know about? <sighs> such a such a good question. I also feel like I'm I'm honored that you would bring me in for a culture conversation. I feel like I'm not worthy of this of this conversation based on so many other people. You're too humble, I, Joe. <laughs> I mean, but th but that's the reality. Like when when I walk around New York, I I often just feel like I'm this. What what's the what's the term of just kind of the um, you know fake it till you make it or the what's the more psychological term the imposter syndrome. See, here's here's the thing. See, okay. This book, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. Love Gladwell. He talks about this exact thing okay. where, like, say, Ivy League schools. Yeah. You go to, the people that go to Ivy League schools are A-plus students. Mm -hmm. So they, you get to this environment, and now you're competing at such a high level mm -hmm. that you, you don't realize that, like, you're in a very small percentage, you know? And not everybody can go to those Ivy League schools. And so people get down on themselves more at these Ivy League schools rather than other schools because they're comparing themselves too much to the people in direct contact with them. Sure. You know, rather than the broad picture. Sure. So I'm talking to someone right here <laughs> who lives in New York City, yeah, but who works <clears throat> in Soho and lives in Chinatown. That's incredible. Fair. But I feel like the barrier to entry to an Ivy League school is much higher than living in New York City. Would you say this, that 
you don't go to New York City unless you have a pretty clear idea of what you want out of life or out of what, you, what yeah. you're into or yeah. you're not just going to like randomly, oh, I'm going to go live in New York for a little bit. That's fair. I, I, I do know a lot of people who, I feel like you're either, you either know you can live in New York City or you know you can't, right? Like my brother's a good example. He, he loves visiting New York City, but he knows he could never live there. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't want the, the density. He wouldn't want the hustle and bustle. He wouldn't want the grimy, the dirty. Uh, he, you know, it's just not for him. And on the, on the flip side, me, someone who, who visited there, like I, I knew like when I visited there, especially later in my life, like, oh, I could like have a life here. Like I would love to have a life here. Um, so yeah, de- definitely like if, if you know what you want, if you know you want New York, then for sure. Like yeah. um, y- you definitely want to have it. You definitely have to just get through all like the... <laughs> The griminess of it, the uh, the beautiful imperfections, the what makes New York New York, you know, the hey, I'm fucking walking here, the uh, you you live in a shitty place for a few years, like all that is what makes yeah. New York, you know, New York, New Yorkers love talking about how shitty New York is because that's, <laughs> what, that's what makes New York New York, yeah. right? Um, and uh, I, I feel like yeah, part of the reason maybe this kind of is buttons up the question, but. One of the reasons why I wanted to move to New York is so when I left New York, I could tell people that I live in New York, mm-hmm. right? As cliche as that sounds, as as, as dramatic as that sounds, um, I just I just knew I wanted to be a New Yorker, right? And so that's what I wanted. I wanted to be a New Yorker. I didn't really have aspirations to work at a cool, trendy fashion startup or work at a big ad firm or be a successful actor, comedian, whatever. I just knew that I wanted to live in New York and exist in New York City. That's cool. And, and, say, and say I was in New York and, and have mail shipped to my Brooklyn address. And then actually when I moved from, because when I first moved to New York, I moved to Brooklyn. Uh, and then after a year when I actually, you know, had like a stable job and some stable income and could afford to move to Manhattan, Actually moving to Manhattan and and getting mail sent to you know Joe Anhalt, New York, New York. Like that was a cool moment for me when I got when I got yeah. that mail. Um, and so I knew that was it for me. It was just like I knew I wanted to live in New York City, yeah. and I, yeah, I did it. But again, I feel like the barrier to entry to living in New York is a bit lower than you know getting an undergraduate or graduate degree at a Ivy League school. But what was the question? Sorry. So the question. <laughs> What's something emerging in culture right now that you think I should know about? Um, great question. I had some notes for this. So I think in culture right now, things that I find most interesting, and we talked a, a little about a little bit about this earlier before before we started recording, but um, and again, I exist in uh, in the fashion world and the startup world and more the creative world and. Something that I've noticed that I actually really like is creatively just really embracing the imperfections. And I think a lot of this has to do with the rise of social media, specifically Instagram. And when Instagram first <clears throat> first came out and you had those kind of first batch of Instagram influencers, I felt like everything was very, everything was perfect, right? Everything mm-hmm. was like polished and edited and there was a filter on it. And I feel like that's starting to 
make way for this new era of really embracing our imperfections, kind of the perfectly imperfect, which which, which I think is a great thing, whether it's um, whether it's a selfie image or being silly with yourself or uh, even as specific of a detail as if you're producing a photo shoot, you zoom out and you see the seamless backdrop or you see the other camera in the shot, right? Yeah. You kind of pull back and you see the magic being created because the reality is this isn't reality, right? It, it's all overproduced. It's all pre-produced. There's, there's a lot of thought that goes into this. Um, and I think people are starting to become uh, just disenchanted with the the perfect production of it all. And, and they want to see kind of the, the griminess and they want to see the rawness of it. They want to see what's real. Exactly. They, yeah. they, they want to see what's real. And I notice that on a daily basis in the, in the fashion and in the creative world. And I think you're starting to see that in its spillover into uh, film and TV. What's what's crazy now is that social media kind of gives you a view into the future because the longer the production, um, the the, the sh- I should say the shorter the production, that's going to infuse the longer productions, right? So all this kind of like grimy, more raw is going to uh, infuse into longer production cycles of like music and then TV and then film, right? Like it takes years to produce a film, right? Um, And I think you see also more recently, you're starting to see, I really want to talk about the, the TV show Schitt's Creek actually as well. Um, okay. have, have, I've told you about Shit's Creek before, right? I think you've mentioned it. I've heard other people mention it. Yeah. So, I get... So, so, what? So as a bartender, I hear a lot of... Yeah. I, hear, I listen to a lot of people and I talk to a lot of people and they'll... Like so many times people will tell me like, oh, you should watch this. You should uh-huh. watch that. And it takes, it's really exhausting to pretend that I'll like watch it. I don't, I don't watch TV shows. I don't... Mm-hmm. I don't consume a yeah. whole lot. I don't watch TVs. I don't watch movies. Yeah. And and so I'm curious. So that's why I want your opinion. I'm yeah. like, what what what's good out there? What's so I, I think what's what's really interesting about the show Shits Creek that's been a work in progress for I think like four or five years. I remember not to pull that card, but I was a very early adapter for this show that is now like massively popular. So I remember I saw an interview. Is it on Netflix? Or? It's on Netflix okay. now. It's a Canadian uh, sitcom. Okay. Um, and I remember I was drawn to it because Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy are in it, two of my favorite comedic actors. So they became famous way back in the day um, in Canada with SCTV and Second City Toronto with Martin Short and Christopher Guest. Oh, cool. All these people who you've seen in dozens of pieces of entertainment whether it's tv or or movies and so that's kind of what what caught me and i started watching it on netflix four or five years ago and not many people were watching it because it's it's a very slow burn and it's a very just different style of humor right um and what i what i love about it is that it's very light it's very heartfelt it's it's not politically charged it's not serious it has it has a good heart to it 
right? And a lot of that has to do with Dan Levy, the the creator and co-creator, um, just creating this world that is is fun and enjoyable and lighthearted yeah. and, and funny, and the performances are great. And it feels like every year I kept hearing more and more about it. And it was it, it's it's one of these amazing pieces of art that really only became popular because of word of mouth and because it came it became part of our culture just because of conversations like this like hey you should watch this right the same way now that i think about it actually here the same way a a new app becomes popular right no 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 one is no one is uh I, i used to work in technology and no one is look. No one is searching on Google like, what are the new apps out there, right? <laughs> you didn't like. How did you find yeah. out about like Uber or or, yeah. or Airbnb, you. right? Yeah, like <laughs> through one of your your friends or family members, right? You don't search like, what are the new hot apps? What are the new hot shows? Maybe maybe more so new hot shows, but anyway, it it really became so popular through word of mouth. It really is so popular because of the fans, like. It's it's a Canadian sitcom like that doesn't become popular in the mainstream America through PR or yeah. through a paid social media campaign or through anything. It it became popular because it's it's a well written show. It has a good heart. It has good performances. It's it's fun to watch. I'm sure there are a lot of other factors that I'm looking past, but I'm just so happy that this show has done so well. And one of the reasons why I'm so happy is because other production houses are going to try to capture that magic and mm. it it really is grounded in in positivity and optimism and the quick story is this really wealthy rich arrogant family loses everything and they have to live in this fictional town called Shits Creek that they they purchased this town because they thought it was funny and they now have to live out of a motel like that's the premise of the show and so it's this arrogant family living in a really small town in rural america is where it's set and it turns out to be they 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 turn into just really good people and it's really funny and heartfelt and i can't speak highly enough of it but um what excites me is that i think that type of show that type of entertainment we really need that right now in such a divisive and such a polarizing environment and I love that shows like that exist because it started as a word of mouth show. And I feel like that's that that type of power is so hard to harness. And it's, yeah. it's very easy to harness negativity, right? And extremism mm-hmm. on the opposite side. But what's really powerful are, are moments like this, shows like Shit's Creek. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really excited that that exists. And I hope it influences a lot of creative projects in the future. Um, and I'm already seeing it with um, a new show that I don't think will have the same kind of following because it's just on a larger platform. It's on Apple's new streaming platform. It's called Ted Lasso. It's with Jason Sudeikis. Okay. But again, it's just this like <clears throat> really silly, funny, heartfelt series that's just so optimistic. And so I hope that more of these things come into the fray. Uh, and and I think they will. All right. Let's shift to music a little bit. Okay. Is there is there a type of music that has been kind of in the background of your COVID experience or maybe the last few months 
What's yeah. kind of been filtering through your ears and in your head? Filtering. So during during the work from home, it's been a lot of instrumental music. Oh, really? To be honest, yeah. Whenever I'm trying to sit down and focus, it's really hard for me to focus whenever there's um, there's lyrics involved. I just yeah. start listening to them and just get a little distracted. So um, honestly, I will find a instrumental radio station and put that on okay. shuffle um, and listen to that, and it helps me focus. I will say when I when I first wake up, one of my one of my most favorite investments over the past four or five years has been Sono speakers. Um, okay. Just having them in like each room of your home. I don't live in a big home. You've seen my apartment, <laughs> but I still have two rooms, uh, a bedroom and a living room slash kitchen. But the first thing I do when I wake up is I'll put on some background music. And it usually is a, um, a radio station based on an artist. And the artist that I always cycle through, especially in the morning, just to kind of wake up have my morning ritual of like coffee, read the news, things like that. Uh, it's either Whitney, okay. the shout yeah. out to Whitney, Chicago based band, um, or uh, who's who's the the artist that does all the albums with like different states? Um, Sufjan Stevens? Yes, or, yeah, yeah okay. him. Uh, or like um, Bon Iver or any kind of like chill, like laid back, you know, like morning. Um, when kind of, I've kind been to mix. your place, you usually have like Frank Ocean on. A lot of Frank Ocean as well. And anything like super chill. Honestly, like I don't listen to a lot of upbeat music unless it's for a very specific moment, which is usually oh, interesting. Uh, which is usually when I'm with people or friends yeah. or like prepping to like go out for an evening, which doesn't happen very often these days. So it's it's been much more relaxed and chill and just mm. think of like back on your heels type music yeah um and a lot of acoustic things a lot of like piano guitar but and, and i think that matches with most people's moods right <laughs> kind of like uh looking out the window when it's raining outside a little melancholy um a little sad and again like it's just nice to wake up and just like put on some music yeah. and just kind of have that in the background Interesting. Yeah. Shifting to books now. Yes. This may be a hard question. I'm known for my hard questions. <laughs> what are the three three books that have influenced you most and what's on your to-read list? Okay. Three books influenced me the most. Um, I, I always struggle with these questions because part of me wants to answer them so it sounds like I'm super smart and know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then the other half is like, you should just honor it. You should just answer it honestly. So I'll, I'll find a happy medium. The three books, I would say uh, the Steve Jobs biography by Walter Isaacson. Oh, I read that, read that on the tractor uh, this summer. Okay. Um, <laughs> hopefully you were watching where you're going on the tractor. Audiobook. Audio Audio okay, okay, yeah. okay. Um, you, do you still say I read it if you listen to the audiobook? What's the... What did I just say? Did you I just say, said I read it. I said read it? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Interesting. I guess that, that checks out. Have you ever... This is a, a reading hack. I don't know if I've told you, but... Um, I, I follow this guy on Twitter, Emerson Sparts. He started MuggleNet, which is a Harry Potter website when he was like 12 or 13. He's kind of a savant kind of guy. He's really yeah. ridiculously smart. But 
he has a pretty great Twitter feed and one of his reading hacks, which I tried and it actually works wonders is you listen to an audiobook at let's say like one, one and a half times speed and you read it at the same time. Okay. So you have the audio component and the visual component. Um, and apparently you can obviously get through things much quicker and you um, are able to recall them much better. Essentially it just mm. lasts longer in your memory. Okay. So I don't know if you tried that, but I think you should give I it a started, shot. I started doing that with, uh, I have a Benjamin Franklin uh, biography by Walter, Walter Isaacson. Isaacson. There you go. Yeah. Or, or even just white noise because there's so much, so many distractions if you're reading, which I'm sure you get all the time mm -hmm. of like a car passing or someone playing the piano next door or just whatever. Even if you're just like listening to white noise, so yeah. you kill out, you know, that sense and just mm -hmm. kind of focus. I heard that helps too. Anyway, uh, Steve Jobs, Bio, Walter Isaacson, um, Chuck Klosterman, But What If We're Wrong? Oh, that's, really? That's one of the books that I, I love thinking about and then also it's the book that i recommend the most um, really yeah okay. yeah just because also if you forget what it's about and you just read the title but what if we're wrong i think it's such a provocative and interesting thought because we're probably doing a lot of things wrong right now right which yeah. we're not going to figure out until but we're very confident yes in right now yeah. yes uh and <laughs> Yeah, the chances are we're not right about a lot of things right now. Yeah. And so I just love the idea of approaching most things with, you know, not trying not trying to just be a naysayer all the time. Like, I, I think I'm a pretty optimistic guy, but I just love kind of checking myself and thinking yeah. like, well, wait, what if like that's wrong? Like, what if we're doing this wrong, right? And I, yeah. just, I just love posing that question wherever it's appropriate at a campfire or with a good group of friends, like, what if we're doing this wrong, right? It, it could be as small as, um, you know, a good example is what if we're doing office, the office wrong? Like what mm -hmm. if we should be working remotely more, right? Mm -hmm. This is a great example of maybe we're doing it wrong. Like I don't I don't believe that, but this is a great kind of litmus test for, for that. Um, that. That book is my, I think, favorite book. Yeah. Because and you, you turned me on to it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, again, it's one I recommend the most. Yeah. And it's just like it gets you to think about the present as if it were the past yep because we often place ourselves into the shoes or well we don't even do that we think about say someone in 1910 and we're like oh my gosh can you believe that they thought that yeah and there's this arrogance yep. that we have yep and you know what someone someone 110 years from now is gonna say stuff about us yep exactly and it's for sure we're gonna be Maybe what we're eating or what, you know, like we could be wrong and we have to be open to that and not yeah. be so, I think a lot of people get so stressed out about trying to be right all oh, the absolutely. time. It's gotta be so exhausting. Yeah. What if you say, yeah, I'm not, no, I'm not really sure. I, I guess I'm open, you know? Yeah. Then you're, you're just liberated. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a huge weight off your shoulders and I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think this is one of the areas where we, uh, we mesh really well. Um, I mean, a lot of areas we do, I feel. But yeah. And yeah, you turned me on to this book and, and I recommend it to anyone and everyone when whenever they ask for book recommendations. It's also, it, it's a pretty it's, easy read too. It's so interesting too because he's known as like a, a rock critic. Yeah. And 
pop culture. Yeah. So it's a very quick read. It's like, yeah. what are we going to think about rock music in 200 years from now, 500 yeah. years from yeah. now? Yeah. Very simple things like that. Yeah. And like know? what's actually going to stick and like what's yeah. not going to stick, right? Right. Um, and it, it's fun to think about those things because obviously we don't know, but it's it's a great it's a great shift in, in your perspective because we we all the the perspective usually is just kind of right here right now is the most important thing right right um and it's it's really not right because right. we're going to look back on this time period especially with covid i mean covid is a great example of that what if it really isn't that big of a deal yeah like it, that could be a, could. that could that could that could be it yeah right? or it could, or it could get or it could get worse right we yeah, don't know we don't know we don't know um but it's just, we don't know it, what we don't know we don't know we don't know and it's, it's fun to think about that and, and it has a great perspective which actually is a great transition to my next favorite book that i love telling people about and talking about and actually you just read this and did a podcast on it is pale blue dot by carl sagan oh yeah which i think is a great literal representation and literal example of having perspective um, and, and just how physically small we are and how, how much we don't know and, and how short uh, amount of time we've been around on this planet. And uh, it's, it's just a great book about perspective and, and the universe. And um, I love the way he writes and he thinks. And it's, it's just a great, great book about perspective. Um, and if if you haven't read it, at least like Google the the image of the pale blue dot and kind of shows you like this is Earth and yeah. and and the the mass surroundings and uh, just the thought. I, I would love to. I'm, I'm I don't think it'll happen, but the ability to go up into outer space and look back on the Earth and just look at it as one thing, as opposed to 350 whatever countries or 50 states I think in it's America. Two ninety six. No, oh, one ninety six. Countries? I thought it yeah. was much more than that. No. Really? I think at the UN it's 196. Yeah. I thought it was above 300. No. We'll get the fact checkers on it. <laughs> um, but it's it's just a great book about perspective. And I did a quite a, a big rabbit hole about space exploration and the universe, uh, you know, six or seven years ago. And, and it was a book that resonated with me. Um, and it was also recommended to me by a, a close friend of mine who, you know, Kevin... Uh, Kevin Tracy. Oh, sure. Um, and uh, it's it's a great book. Also, a, a pretty quick read and a good uh, a good summary, I guess, of of the universe and, yeah. and and where we are as a species, where we are as a planet, and and where we we might be in the future. After reading that that book was, it came out in like 1994. Mm -hmm. So I found myself wondering where we are now, and then like. Like, oh man, I need to do more homework on understanding where we are now. Got it. You know? And what did you find? Are we f much further along? I'm, I'm not there yet. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> we'll get someone on the podcast that can that can explain it to me. Kevin, you, could get, you should get Kevin, Kevin on here. Yeah. Okay. You should definitely get Kevin. He can, he can talk uh, circles around people uh, about space and Carl Sagan. And I, I thought I did a deep dive. He did a deep dive. Nice. Yeah. Maybe, maybe nice. get him on. He, he could be a good nice. good addition. Um, and then what I'm what I'm reading, um, or something on your to read list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, well, actually, most recently I just finished was Humankind, which I mm -hmm. would highly encourage everyone to read. It's by a Dutch historian, uh, Rutger Bregman, I think is his name, and I recommend this book 
right now just because it's so optimistic and it it paints humans in such a positive light yeah and i just think i just think the world needs some more positivity right now yeah uh, and this is a very opportunistic uh or yeah opportunistic view of humans and refutes and debunks a lot of famous psychological studies most famously the uh, stanford prison experiment the milgram experiment of shocking people even though they're saying please don't shock me and the doctor is saying it's fine keep going right uh the lord of the flies experiment uh, or not experiment the the movie that came out um just kind of tries as best he can to debunk the the myth that humans are terrible people yeah Uh, and in reality i don't think we're as bad as we might think um and most institutions uh news media social media likes to paint the picture that we're all terrible people but in reality yeah and i'm sure if you sat and thought to yourself in your immediate group in your community most people in large part want to do good and want to see other people do good yeah Um, and it's just unfortunate that we live in a society right now that rewards clips and instances of riots and fires and hurricanes and tornadoes yeah. and, and and all these other things that that make the news and push clicks but in reality uh that's just a small fraction of of who we are as, yeah. as a species also i'm i'm really trying to read something just like completely different so mm-hmm. i um, texted <clears throat> my brother-in-law rob who is a librarian in bloomington mm. um and now that i think about it, actually I feel like I should introduce you two because I feel like you guys could just vibe on a lot of different things. He's Sweet. he's a librarian, has a master's of science in library studies, and is a massive bookworm. And he loves reading um, uh, uh, space fantasies, specifically space operas, is what he calls really? them. So I'm re- going to read a space opera next called... Uh, it's It's a trilogy. I'll probably only read one of them, but... It's uh, the author's name. What's his name? Neil Asher, uh, The Departure. It's the first book of a three-book trilogy. But cool. I'm just, you know, similar to being interested in a lot of different things, I was trying to broaden my horizons yeah, with, with books. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Kind of on that similar note of positivity. Yes. What's something you've done different in 2020 that's affected <clears throat> you uh, and your life positively and that you plan to continue moving forward? This one I wrote down is uh, a short answer, but one thing that I've started to do is uh, is show up early to things. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So I, I feel like I'm a pretty... Um, I'm, I'm just not like very outspoken. I'm more introverted, and it helps me to arrive to places early Tonight's not a good example, but you know you're you're, you're one of my best <laughs> you're friends. Like 40, so 40 late. you're one of my best friends. So <clears throat> I don't I don't have to. But um, what uh, I've, I've been doing it more so at work, or if I have a meeting, or if I'm meeting somebody for the first time. But but showing up early allows me to kind of collect myself, both physically and mentally. I'd say more importantly, so I can just kind of check in check in with myself, and and also it, it kind of aligns with with um, another thing that I've been wanting to do more of, but just give myself more time mentally to kind of get lost and, and get bored. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that we're, we're just like way too busy these days as as people um, because there's this 
just urge to like always be busy and always be doing a million different things. But uh, I feel like a lot of creativity is spurred from being being bored and not having something to do. So it, it's kind of, I guess now that I think about it, it aligns with my thought of implanting yourself with where you want to be and who you want to be surrounded by with. So you kind of force yourself to have those interactions. Yeah. So maybe the, me trying to show up early to places or, or me trying to create time for myself to be bored is forcing myself to be a bit more creative. So um, that's something that I've done. Mm. And it, it's 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 been much easier during COVID because there's not a lot going on. Yeah. So you, you do have a lot more downtime. So I've, um, I hope I continue that. Um, I just hope to continue to make space for myself mentally. And one way to do that is just by showing up earlier to things okay. um, and just being okay with the the quietness and being okay with um, with being bored and not trying to fill your schedule with a million different things. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like cutting yourself slack, right? We're, yeah. all, we're all like burned out, especially during this. Um, and just kind of like cutting everyone some slacks. Like it's okay. Like we're, we're all trying to get through this. Yeah. Uh, life is hard enough as it is you know, layer on a global pandemic and um, it's it's going to be fine and, and, and just be okay with, with being bored and um, kind of lean into that and, and see what, what transpires. Yeah. So the last question I have for you is what's something you're excited about or excited to explore over the next year? So big news personally is... Um, I don't know if we've actually talked about this, but um, I'm really excited because Kylie, my long distance girlfriend, is going to move back to New York and we're going to move in together. Okay. And I personally am am super excited about that. And and I've thought about it even differently now. I'm a a big traveler because I love exploring new things. Yeah, you are. You've Um, gone to quite a few places. Yeah, I've I've been very... uh, yeah, just, just very privileged to be able to travel quite a bit. And I kind of had this aha moment last weekend when I was talking to a friend and traveling in its its most basic form is obviously you think of like going to Europe or going to a different city, but it doesn't have to just be that, right? Nope, you, you, you can define it however you want. And so I'm I'm almost defining this this next move as as traveling. And I'm really excited to... Uh, take this journey with somebody else who I'm in love with and want to kind of continue our life and and really start a life together, right? Mm. Because you're you're in a relationship with somebody, but if you're not living with them, you know, you still have kind of your two separate lives. So I'm I'm actually really excited to join my life with somebody and and start a new life together. Obviously, we're going to have like our own individual lives, right? You know, we're not defined by each other. We still have our individual, individual lives, but I'm so excited especially after being long distance for, you know, over, <laughs> over a year um, to, to kind of come back together and, and start a new life together in New York, right? Yeah. Uh, whether it's Manhattan or Brooklyn, but I'm just so excited for that next chapter in my life. Uh, and you were, recently t- you were recently talking about chapters and transitions, and this is a massive one for me and for her, just joining our lives together, living together as, yeah. as, a, as a partnership. And... Uh, you know, I was trying to think of other answers, but that's the reality, right? It's yeah. it's 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 that chapter. That's a huge moment for both of us. She's moving back to New York. Um, I'm gonna move. We're gonna be moving in together in a yeah. new, brand new place, probably in a new apartment. 
Um, and that's really exciting. And, yeah. and I'm excited to see what happens with that. She is so different than me. She is type A, go-getter, you know, wakes up early and does a million different things. I'm much more laid back to myself, introverted. <laughs> and I'm excited to, to see what happens yeah. with that. Um, and if I were to say anything else, I'd be lying to myself and to you and, and to everybody else. So that's that's the, the honest truth. I'm excited to start my life with a woman who I'm in love with and want to spend the rest of my life with. That is beautiful and <laughs> exciting. Thank you for sharing that. Some 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 positivity and, and optimism out to uh, out to the listeners of, of, of your pod. Well, on that note, thanks, Joe, for coming on the pod. Always Appreciate a pleasure. It. Hope hope to be back. Uh, it's been fun. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow Joe at Joe Anhalt on Instagram and at Joe from Normal on Twitter. Have a positive day.